welcome to the Please Be Seated podcast, episode two. Today, I'm here with Guy Lambert. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this has been a much-awaited recording episode. I think we've been discussing it since about November. Yes. Um, I have, uh, my life has been all over the shop. Uh, and I, but, but we're here, Luke. We are. We're here. Hooray. Hooray. Um, and so, yeah, today we're discussing The Naked Gun, which is a... Oh, I should have searched through the... I know the director's on the tip of my tongue. It's um, that man and the other man. The, the ones who um, did, like, Airplane dude. and Scary Movie. And, uh, yeah, and I know what you mean. I can picture their names. Why don't you Google it? No one will know. Is it Quick. Zucker? Uh, Je- is it Jeff Jeff Zucker or I something? I am just going up now. <laughs> it's written by uh, Jerry Zucker, Jim Abrams and David Zucker, and Pat, yeah. po- Pat Prof. And Abrams and the Zuckers also wrote the Police Squad TV series. Have you ever seen the Police Squad I TV series? I think I saw the first two episodes. I've got the DVD down uh-huh. there. I meant it's to. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it is, in fact, the... I mean, it, that, that was a show that brought everyone to come to this movie. And it is... We will refer, refer to things as we go that I loved from the TV show, which I first saw... I think in maybe 92, something like that. And I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Now, I will ask, are you aware yeah. of the upcoming remake? What? No, what? Um, there's, oh, what are they always remaking? There's not much fucking... in the way of it. It's supposed to come out this year, but they haven't said anything. Okay. And just I, like uh... they did with National Lampoon's Vacation, I don't know if you've seen the remake of that. I have, and I love that They've film. got Ed Helms. Frank. Oh really? Oh really? Oh well, okay. Now I'm bo- on board with that because uh, Danny Sim, who people might know from Smash the Media and other outlets, uh, he introduced me to the Vacation film, and I was very skeptical about it because I hadn't heard good things. No, and I hadn't heard good things, but I enjoyed it. I just sort of, uh, yeah, and I and I thought, okay. I don't know. I don't really like remakes. I don't think they always work. But it was a reboot, man. more of a remake, and that did something. Man, it was such a good film. That's so I good. Th- you should do a podcast about that. I could talk. I'll bring Danny Sim on. We'll talk about it for hours. I, I, I will definitely write that down for series <laughs> two. Because, um, yeah. I mean, I love the vacation films. It was a bit crass, which I don't always go for. Yeah. Yeah, That's... the bit with Chris Hemsworth yeah. is uh, notably Especially visually his crass. Especially photograph right. over the end credits, but... but it's such a great joyous funny honest film and i love the two kids it's actually the first film i saw with chris hemsworth or leslie mann but i do quite like a lot of judd apatow leslie mann movies now so it must have been a hell of a shock if that's the first film you've seen with chris hemsworth (laughs) (laughs) so when everyone was talking about because i'm not much of a superhero guy Everyone's talking about all the mm. Thor movies in my film studies class, and they're picturing Chris Helmsworth in a very different light to how I've yeah. seen him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, I enjoy the the new vacation. Uh, I, my worry with the new Naked Gun is there is so much space for them to put crude humour in that I don't really want it. I mean, this one isn't has got its fair share, but I think it's still oh, uh, yeah. sort of PG. There's one particular moment with a statue that is yeah. Uh, I was actually quite surprised. I'd forgotten. I haven't seen this movie, gosh, for maybe like 20 years or something. It, but it's a, mo- a movie I always remembered. But the, the, that particular statue bit where I was like, wow, how they got away with that? That's pretty, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, mm. close to the bow, as it were. What's your favourite film ever? Oh, I've got a top three. A thick... In All fact, right, I it. think I've got a top ten on here. Or is that too far? Well, well, do the top three. Top three, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, okay. National Lampoon's Vacation, and Lethal Weapon. Interesting. Interesting. You're quite, you, you, you strike me as quite an 80s guy. Yes, with your, definitely. With all this sort of pretty and pink and naked gun and all these kind of movies. Mm. What is it about 80s films that you I like? I don't know. I think it's the level of humour where it still, you know, it appeals um and it's very, very funny. But it's often not overtly crude, which I don't go for so much. And I'm really fascinated in the era of sort of controversy as well. Um, like Monty Python, Life of Brian controversy is fascinating to me. Right. 
yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think I've said in every episode that I'm writing something, but I haven't actually written much of it. Um, I'm writing this essay um, comparing Life of Brian to Whistle Down the Wind. Um, because oh. Life of Brian was controversial for someone being mistaken for Jesus, but it's also the plot of Whistle Down the Wind, which is considered acceptable. Yes, although I suspect the reasons may well become obvious. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at it in detail. I think that I think the thing with Monty Python is I think they and I, I you see this with Ricky Gervais mm. that they like stirring. Yeah. They like the controversy. They like but it's, I'm not I I think that in different ways. I think Ricky Gervais sees it much more as a badge of honor whereas I think Monty Python would just well my mum always says they're they're silly men for men who like silly men. Yeah. And she's correct. <laughs> I really yeah, hope right. that Monty Python do some sort of show luck next year. Like, I know that they said 2014 was their last show, but it's the 50th anniversary mm. next year. They've got to do something. Well, I reckon Netflix have got all their stuff, yeah. right? So there's some, there's some great documentaries on Netflix about Python now. Mm. Danny Sim is just... I keep mentioning Danny Sim. I'm not sponsored by Danny Sim. He, uh, Maybe we should just, be. He's just uh, had a Monty Python kind of discovery because a lot of people like his age and your age, you discover things, don't you, on Netflix? You're yeah. suddenly like, oh, here's French and Saunders, or oh, here's was, Yes. When Minister. I was watching Black Adder, my dad said he thought I'd like Monty Python, and then mm. I found Holy Grail on DVD at my grandparents' house. They hadn't even watched it; someone gave it to them, so I sort of right. I never gave it back to them. <laughs> oh wait, no. I, they, they lent it to me. Then I told them how much I liked it. They said I could keep it, and then I sold it and bought the box set. Wow! So I should have given it back to them. Sold to grandparents. It's kind of man we're dealing with on this podcast. But the but the complete Python box set is a, a worthwhile box set. Um, I'm just. Yeah, okay. I've, you know, I've never I've never loved Python. I went um, to. It must have been that thing in 2014. They showed it in cinemas, right? Yeah, um, I believe so. So I went with Tom Rees-K to a cinema screening of it, and I enjoyed it, but I often find with Monty Python that there's lots and lots of great bits, but there's not so great bits that people don't really talk about. And But hey, you know, r- kudos to someone who creates great stuff, even if it's not 100% always great. Yeah. Uh, Certainly be my... <laughs> I, I think I'm... <laughs> One of the very few people whose favourite Python film is Meaning of Life. I don't know if you've seen The Meaning of Life. Do you know what? But... Funny enough, that's actually my favourite. Yeah. Because I think there's such a variety of gags. and I saw it when I was 14. Ah, and so my, friend... my age. Yeah, I, and I was with my friend Gwyn, and it was on late, and it felt a bit naughty yeah. watching it. Definitely and I just some thought... of the scenes in there. I, I, yeah. I've actually got the soundtrack CD, which is one of those few soundtracks where it actually has the entire film just on audio. And I listened to that on a coach journey to Disneyland, and I, I think everyone was looking <laughs> at me because I was in stitches. <laughs> they probably just thought, oh, he's so happy to be meeting Goofy. He's so happy, and he can't wait to meet Donald Duck. I feel really bad. The two m- memorable highlights of Disneyland, I love Disneyland. One was the fact that they've got a planet Hollywood with the bike from Lethal Weapon 3. And two was the fact that someone commented on my National Lampoon's Vacation Wally World t-shirt. So, not much on the Disney well, side, you're a, but that was fun. You're a diehard fan of things that aren't Disney, yeah. and you're promoting them at Disney World, I which really, is pretty yeah, risky. I, 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 I insisted that I took my Wally World shirt to Disneyland, because it, was, a, it yeah. was Walt Disney in the original uh, short story for National Lampoon magazine, but they couldn't get the rights. They also got... Is Wally World... Um, is that the film with the dead grandma? Yeah, or is that a different it's one? the one with the dead grandma. Oh, it's the same it's the one. first one. But it's not the one where they go to London. London's European Vacation, the second one, yeah. Okay. So to those who don't All know, about who are you, Guy? <laughs> what do you do? Um, I am a producer, writer, director type person. I've a lot of television that no one's heard of, but you've heard of certain things I've done. Um, I worked, probably, probably the most famous thing I did was working for CBBC for a number of years. Uh, and co-creating and co uh, and producing and writing and all sorts of things, Ed and Out show. Which I uh, am only just old enough to remember. Yeah, but you remember Ian and Hacker, right? I remember Ian and Hacker, yeah. I, yeah, so I was one of their first producers as well, and 
we just had a lot of great times and a lot of people sort of say oh is it just like the broom cupboard but it was but we kind of fictionalized it so you know hacker or outro or whoever would encounter various people we had Greg Davis, now very famous, uh, come in and play Henry VIII and Guy Fawkes. But he was on, and Easy Sweaty, who's now famous for Peep Show, was on, and Holly Walsh, and loads of people that are now well-known, Matt Crosby and other Pappy's Fun Club people. And the really you know, the people. really memorable Karen Gillan appearance. Oh, yes, of course. Um, With lovely Chris Johnson in a cage. It was one of his very... He'd only been there four months. And, <laughs> you locked him in a uh, cage? Well, it was... Uh, uh, it was Ed, Ed Peachy kind of um, was te- was very keen on teasing Chris because Chris responded very well to being kind of teased. And I remember being in the production meeting and we talked about she was coming in and Ed just said we should put him in a cage because he's a mad Doctor Who fan. What? And it's one of those ideas where you don't even discuss it. You're like, yeah, that that's happening. Were you, I'm not even were you around on CBBC um, during the 50th? Uh, no, no, I had left by then. I'd left quite a few years before because that. Because that's... Um, I, I've still got a recorded DVD of CBBC on the morning of the 50th anniversary. Because mm, they had I remember Totally what... Doctor Who, Infinite Quest, um, Sarah Jane. The only thing on there that I don't have on none of the DVDs that is the Totally Doctor Who, but, like, Chris's bits in between yeah. and having the ads for Day of the Doctor running through, which I think's... Is Doctor Who the only time that an ad for a... BBC One show is broadcast on CBBC? Um, there were a very few occasions where that happened. I mean, certainly when I was doing... Because I was there from 2003 to 2010. And it, in 2005, he, Chris Eggerson was on Blue Peter. And I don't remember whether we ran any trailers for it. I think they ran... You know how like it used to be on BBC One up to Neighbours? I think they ran the trails after us into Neighbours. Um, but there was a real sort of uncertainty about how that show was going to do and certainly not a feeling that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say concern, but an uncertainty about whether it was going to be a big with kids. Now, I don't think they expected but, this. <laughs> no, and, and there was a very a strong sense that we need to back this show, but we don't want to go too far. Um, but... By the time we were getting into things like Dalek, you know, I was doing Barney and Anne Saturday mornings stuff, and we started introducing Dalek stuff. And we had the I had the TARDIS. I mean, I was because I was producing it. I was like, I'm just going to put loads of stuff in because and we of had course the, the BBC have there. the rights, so you can't yeah. you couldn't go about referencing some ITV show, and I can't even think of the name of an ITV show. No, we wouldn't. You couldn't go around saying, ITV. oh, you know, check out Broadchurch. Uh, or something you 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 have no the... or the equivalent you know primeval yeah. we would never have talked about that but we and obviously blue peter had because everyone was very cautious and we all dropped stuff in but richard marsden at blue peter was a big doctor who fan my boss was a big doctor who fan so it was kind of allowed and then as soon as the show became big particularly season two you know boom andrew hayden smith's in it and he was one of ours and Barney's doing Totally Doctor Who. Actually, I'm going to correct myself now. I said Do- Totally Doctor Who on the 50th, but it was the 12 Again yeah. thing on the 50th. Yeah, so, with Chris. Yeah. I, I, I can't find much of Totally Doctor Who anywhere. When I was like seven, I found some clips on YouTube because I'd, I'd missed it when it was airing. And mm. now they've all been like taken down by the BBC or whatever, and there's nothing from Totally Doctor Who to find. No, it's very strange how that show has never been released or really it's one of those odd shows you cannot find it anywhere. Um, The only thing is the the fact that the Infinite Quest exists. Yeah, but I I think there was a, I mean, it's not very repeatable. You can really repeat that show, Um, but But it's strange. But then Dave managed to repeat Mock the Week how many times, so I think. Well, that's true. But I suppose the thing about... I remember watching Totally Doctor Who and always closing my eyes when they did the preview of what the next episode was going to be because I never wanted to see the clips. But then as we became more and more promotional about it, and particularly when the Sarah Jane adventure started, you know, then Doctor Who was like, that's just the thing. And we had Doctor Who everywhere. And I'd forgotten, actually, that until I found it the other day, that Devin Anderson, who was in Kaching, 
and he used to present links for us. And I'd forgotten that it must have been around the time we knew Chris Eccleston was leaving, possibly. Uh, and we got the official Doctor Who website to do a fake news story about how Devin Anderson was campaigning to be the new Doctor Who, and they put him in, they photoshopped him in the TARDIS set and stuff. And you can still find that on the, if you Google, you can find a sort of captured page of now, that. Now, the final Doctor um, Who comment I will make before we go into the film, yes, I could talk about this time, <laughs> is that I had a dream back in November, maybe, no, must have been September ish, that I presented some sort of totally Doctor Who show. And that that was like an amazing, like in my dream, there was like a live orchestra performing soundtracks, and it was <laughs> amazing. Sorry, it was being filmed in my school, but that didn't really mean much. Um, and it, it seemed awesome. Oh, you never know. And from that dream of presenting a show, that was where the sixteenth minute came from, uh, which is ah. <laughs> um, ah. My now, does sixteen minute? It refers to the idea of having fifteen minutes of fame, right? Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. Although several people have complained that the film isn't 16 minutes long but I'm sure you know from producing and stuff that it's impossible to determine the length of it really until well yes I mean sometimes you and we certainly had this with Green and the Dragon and other things you are told how long it needs to be yeah and if you go under or over that's always a bit of an issue but yeah certainly with Green and the Dragon we were like it has to be this length and no not even a second longer yeah, because it was difficult with the with the 16th minute, because, I mean, it's my first... You just extend the incredible. Proper, yeah, <laughs> my first proper run-through of doing something like that, because I'd only really done sketches. That was where my other film, uh, House of Commons, was. It was just a mix of sketches that I'd made, including mm. the, the much-loved Ginger Wright sketch, um, <laughs> which is, there, there's a poster in the background of the 16th minute. With, I saw, yeah. yeah. Um, and that... But the thing is, when you're making your own star, yeah. you... And this is always this is the one thing I've learned in all these many many years I've been working in this business is as an agent as well is that you're always developing you're always growing there isn't a point where you go you know how people talk about oh I've made it yeah. there is no point emotionally creatively where you feel like you've made it there's only stepping stones on a journey and I bet you could talk to the python people about their journey and they'd probably be like there's still stuff we want to do or i've been still feel like really trying to contact them it's really hard yeah i can imagine because um, i go through a lot of people's agents and make requests sometimes it goes down really well like on, on occasion i'll i'll book to try and get a guest on the podcast really not expecting anything but i always say you don't ask you don't get um yeah and i'll be like one i asked rowan atkinson they're like no he doesn't do interviews anymore but I asked for an autograph, and thus that came two mm. days later. So. People, people viewing, listening in yeah. can't see that, but that's a lovely autograph of Mr. Bean. And there he is as black. What's the other picture? It's black Johnny English, I think. Oh, yes, it is. You're right. That's, that's another one that Johnny English 3 is happening now. Oh, again, I don't want to keep name-dropping Danny Sim, but Danny Sim is a huge fan of that. And a huge, huge Rowan Atkinson fan. And you're just also staring me in. So I call him up. They so call him. <laughs> you could. He doesn't live that far. I say, come round. <laughs> We've been on Skype for 40 minutes and not mentioned the naked gun. So at the start of the movie... Um, yeah, we kind of mentioned it. Uh, there's a meeting full of terrorists and Frank saves the day. There's, yeah. And then we get the amazing opening titles. Now, I'm, I've yes. been meaning to buy that as my ringtone. I love that theme tune. <laughs> Well, of course, like, in Police Squad, that's how it opens every week. Yeah. And I can't remember if it's different. Every, I think the end is different every is there, week. Isn't that when you get the, the celebrity guest cameo thing at the end? Ah, uh, yes, you're right. I, I think that's at the beginning, isn't I'm it? I'm not I sure. I can't remember too well. But I think you're right. I think because this has obviously influenced things like The Simpsons with their opening gags, uh, to, you know, to change a little element every week. I think you're that, right. But yeah. I think you're right that it does have a different celebrity at at the end of the opening each time. Um, but what I thought was incredible about... I like about, how different the openings are for the three films as well. Um, oh, I don't remember. But I thought what was incredible about it is I was watching it and I was thinking, okay, how did they do that? And nowadays it would be CGI. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't even... And to be honest, you'd kind of sit back and think, oh, that's CGI. But this was obviously done real because the bit where it's on the roller coaster, you can see the lights of the roller coaster reflecting on the siren. <laughs> 
Uh, and it, it, so it's obvious that they somehow mounted this thing on a real roller coaster and filmed it. No, I'm wondering if it carried on for the later film. No, they must have had CGI because, yeah, there's one in the later films where they're flying. I think it's number three or number two <laughs> where they're going through the Star Wars fight scene. So oh, yeah. that's, and I think there's yeah, a pinball game. Yeah. So that, I suppose that's the era where CGI started. Yeah, or at least some sort of basic, primitive way of comping it all together. Yeah. So then we've got Officer Nardberg tries uh, to bust a drug case, but is shot by a henchman. Mm. Yes, and in and in, uh, it's sort of quite a statement piece automatically, isn't it? Where it's, I love the fact that you know he's shot and he's going oh and falling into various things like falling against the wet paint yeah. on the door, and then doesn't he fall into like a bear trap that's suddenly there so, for no yeah. reason. <laughs> these, these these films really manage the absurdist humour. And I think that's one of the things about the remake. They've said that they're not going to do the absurdist humour. So I'm wondering uh, what plot there is outside the absurdist humour, which I didn't discover until the other day, that <coughs> there is actually an awful lot of notes in it and a decent plot to the film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, on the surface, because when you look at it, you know, genre-wise, on the surface, the, the story is could be like a really intense Harrison Ford led thriller because it's about a guy some people are dealing drugs he's an evil guy and he wants to kill the queen and that's like you write that down and pitch to someone that could be Liam Neeson yeah. doing that um, whereas now we've got uh, just because oh God, the poster's I've got staring me in the face I'm thinking of Christian Slater in that lead uh, but yeah you're thinking <laughs> Leslie Nielsen Leslie Nielsen yeah but you can imagine Liam Neeson yeah. Liam Neeson doing um, it and going I, I had no it. idea I until recently that Leslie Nielsen passed away in 2009. He did. I, I he wasn't did. aware of that. I mean, I don't think I knew who he was until last year, so that doesn't really say much, but um, I was quite surprised. Same year as John Hughes. Um, so that, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Which is interesting. It's sad, isn't it, when, you know, people... Cause after Naked Gun, did he do Airplane before I or after? I think Airplane it? was before. I'm going to check. Airplane was 1980. Naked Gun was oh, 1988. Yeah. Oh. And but he he did Scary Movie four, I think. It's right. the only scary movie I've seen, but I bought it because Leslie Nielsen was in it. Um, it's funny, is it? It's like people like him and Chevy Chase were so huge, and then sort of fell out of favour in a way. Yeah, that Chevy Chase's happen... later years. I don't know if you watched Community, but um, there was a lot of... I'm, no, I'm aware of There was a lot of stuff behind the yeah. scenes on Community. I think he quit because he didn't think the show was doing much for him, didn't know that, that actually the show did a lot for him, and once he quit, he understood the backlash, then demanded to come back, but they'd already killed his character off. And it was... I think that happens, though. I think a lot of the times... You know, people, particularly on Twitter and stuff, people are quite horrible about, you know, actors that that have a moment and then suddenly are gone or they're working in a shop or whatever it is. But the the media can be quite savage. Like yeah, like I'd like to know if he's a nice person, but I'm not going to make any other comments in case I manage some time to get him on. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I think as well, like, people like that, you just don't know. I, and you don't know their side yeah, of the story Yeah, I think I can picture him being a great person to chat with. But yeah. I, I think there are definitely some topics you wouldn't want to approach with him. No, as and I think yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, it's like with Rowan Atkinson, I'm sure there are things he'd be like, I really don't want to talk about that. Because what sometimes, you know, I, uh, people have often said to me, because I write as well, and I really want to get a drama series on. And people have said to me, would you like to write for Doctor Who? And I always think, no, because the thought of writing a Doctor Who story and then having a horrible time doing it oh, yeah. would be so horrible and so life-destroying. And sometimes it's better for, you know, that old expression, be careful what you wish for. Sometimes it's better to not get, what, not always, but, you know, sometimes. Yeah. There's a little, there's a little moral lesson. I want, I want to know when... <laughs> I really want Richard Curtis to come back and write another Doctor Who story. Yeah. Because yeah. that's sort of my not-so-secret, secret, secret um, pleasure in films. I, 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 I love Four Weddings, love actually Notting Hill, Bridget Jones. Like, mm -hmm. I feel I shouldn't, but I find them really good movies. 
No, they're great, and Love Actually gets a lot of stick. Mm. But excuse me, it's actually a very good film. I mean, it's it's. I I I only watched it for the first time last year, but I think it's going to be a staple for Christmas. Mm. Love Love Actually, Die Hard, Gremlins, Christmas Vacation, and Lethal Weapon. I think. Well, what about this movie, Luke? I mean, I haven't seen it for a long, long time. And do you love it? Do you love this film? Um, I think so. <laughs> there, there, there are bits which go really, like, I don't enjoy as much. There are some films that I remember loving and then watch and don't really like. Um, well, like, some of the things is, I think, oh, I think it was a Five Feet Fans podcast that said, a comedy is good if it makes you laugh five times. And I think I only get maybe one or two chuckles out of this. And I love yeah, British I... comedy, but you don't really laugh out loud at a British comedy. Um, Keeping Mum, Fish Called Wanda, that sort of lines. They're very, oh, very funny, but they're very, very dry. Well, this is the kind of movie that I think it, at the time, and particularly I think when you're young, it is so visually funny. Yeah. It's like what we were just saying about that. You know, when you, if you've never seen a comedy like this before, I think there this are, was the visual my, gags alone. I think this might have been my first one of these types of comedy. I'm not. I, was this? I, might have been after I saw the Python films, but it's still another side to that type. Mm. Like I notice something new every time. I can't remember if it's one or two, because I didn't spot it this time, but in one of his scenes, the cheese is breathing in the background of the scene and, like, going across. Oh, that's... Yes, that's the one where... um, So Priscilla Presley is... She's gone around... I think he's just been suspended, because I think it's after that scene where he attacks the Queen. Yeah. And... Oh, there's a nice Queen banner. I don't know if you can hear it. Just. But he he attacks the Queen at the thing. I hope you've got the copyright on that music. The PRS will be on to you, Luke. Um, <laughs> so he attacks the Queen at the buffet, and then I think that woman, the head of police, whatever she is, demotes him. So he is found in his apartment by Priscilla Presley, and he goes looking for the milk, and the milk's gone off. And yeah, then that's where you get the great the bit fridge. when she's crawling into the fridge and she just keeps going in. Yeah, that's and that's one of my when she leaves him. He's, he stood there, and the fridges behind him and just out of focus the cheese just moves slightly yeah that's a good little um good little moment so then after all of, after I, um, <laughs> where we were up to discussing in the film yeah where um, were we <laughs> so then frank goes to see him in hospital norbert tells frank about the i love you ship and the heroin case mm. um and I, the, the, the gag about the ship is brilliant i remembered it lasting a lot longer which one you mean the fact it's called yeah. i love you I, rem- I remembered that going on into the into the rest of the film, but I remember. Yeah, it, it doesn't really get picked up again, does it? It sort of. It feels like something that it's should. It's almost like it called that just for that one gag. It feels like it's something that should come back as a recurring joke. That's one of my yeah. faults with the film. That's a good spot actually, because you're right. Because he could say it later to like Priscilla Presley, and she'd be like, "Oh, I love you too," and he's like, "No, I was talking about the shit." Yeah. That's like an obvious thing to do. And You're right. You saying yeah. that I can really hear Leslie Nielsen saying it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. hope that there's a deleted scene somewhere, or there's a because surely the Zuckers would have thought that <laughs> that bit through. But the show, the film is so dense with gags, yeah. isn't it? Like uh, one of my favourite ones is, and sorry, I'm skipping ahead a bit, but when they so realise anyone the doctor... listening to this hasn't seen the film, then this <clears throat> doesn't really. Yeah, they're going to be lost anyway. <laughs> But the, the the bit with the doctor where they realise he's under control and he falls out the window <laughs> and they go on that elaborate chase and it just goes on for ages but it's so creative with the learner driver oh, yeah. and then he the, the doctor's on, what are, I can't remember what he's driving and then that crashes into some van or something and he's on top of that then it crashes into a missile, then it crashes into a fireworks factory and it's just like gag, it just builds, it's such a building gag of Boom, Would boom, you boom, boom. put The Naked Gun on the same levels as Mel Brooks movies? Um, I think in terms, yes, there's some quippy, that quip, quip, well, quip. Well, because there's yeah. two sides of Mel Brooks. I think he did one with Leslie Nielsen, Dracula Dead and Loving It. I haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. But 
I think mm. it's that sort of level with Blazing Saddle, Spaceballs, but then you've got the other side with like Producers, which, oh, I love that movie. Um, yes, Producers is much more of what you'd call an intelligent film, isn't it? It, yeah. it, it works on a lot more levels. Spaceballs is, again, I think when I was 12, I saw that maybe. I, and because I love Star Wars, I'm I just gonna, thought it was a funny I'm going to throw it up and say I, I can't get into Star Wars, but I love Spaceballs. I think as well, I think, I, to be honest, I think it is one of those things where it, if it doesn't hit you at the right age, you don't ever have that sort of bond well, with I it. I think over years my dad's tried to get me into it. I can appreciate the films, but I just, they're, they're not going to be my choice at the end of the day. Um, no, that's fair. Where are we at? We are at, Norbert's coat has been tested for heroin positively. And then we find out that the Queen is coming to L.A., which... <laughs> this the, the whole Queen thing was something that I remembered being a later film. I remember... I, you know what I did as well? I didn't remember I it being part of it. I knew this was the baseball one, but I didn't know this was the Queen one. I had forgotten pretty much everything about and this film. I oh, For some reason, I must have missed something, because I know there was a gag about something that I didn't see, or at least I think there was. Wasn't wasn't there a gag with the with the sand in his trousers in it building up? Was, Not was, in this that one. That must be a different one. I was sitting there and I was waiting for it, and then it never happened, and I was really confused. But it's like we said, isn't it? They, they all blur into one. Now, would you say that's so good or bad about the franchise if they all blur into one? Because I suppose it proves they're consistent. Um, I think the thing about the Naked Gun films is they're not like, for example, we were talking about Star Wars. There's a narrative progression. Yeah. There's this happens. Da, 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 da. With Naked Gun, and I, I, I seem to remember the case being with Airplane. They're very aware that they're kind of the same film again, just a different story. I didn't like Airplane Two anywhere near as much as Airplane One. I can't remember Airplane. I, I, they're all a blur to me. These movies Actually, which I haven't seen for ages. I remember not liking Airplane Two, but I can't remember anything else about Airplane Two, except the fact that <laughs> Leslie Nielsen wasn't in it. Um, oh, is he not? No. Oh, that's not good. That's horribly one of the reasons I don't like it. I think he really... Uh, what's, what I think is interesting about this film is Ricardo Montalban is the villain. And he is brilliant. But what's interesting is they didn't cast a comedian to be the villain. It's actually quite a straight performance in a lot of ways. His job is like, like when... Um, uh, Nielsen throws the pen into the fish tank and all that, and later you see him pull it, pulling out his fish, going, why has it got a pen on it? And Ricardo's character doesn't really have any jokes, I don't nah. think. What's so good about Ricardo, he's so real, in a way. He's such a kind of, actually quite a bland character in many ways. And Priscilla Prezzi's sort of similar, but they allow Leslie Nielsen to be the star. Uh, so the Queen's coming to LA. Uh, Ed tells Frank that he has 24 hours to clean Nordberg before word gets out about what happened and detracts from the Queen's visit. Oh, that's interesting. Um, you think they'd be like, hooray, the Queen's coming, we'll just bury this story. Yeah. No one will ever know what this guy's been up to. Is that before or after that press conference where they have a very long... Talking about the crude humour... The peeing gag. Oh, that went on. That is my con. Really And long. it goes on hours. And then but it's better than the one in Austin Powers. Remind me of um, that, because I do like Austin There's Powers. one in Austin Powers where he goes out and he relieves himself. And that lasts way too long to keep stopping and then continuing. And I think <laughs> it goes on for at least a minute. And well, sometimes those gags really work where... I, I was talking to someone the other day, actually, about... Because I manage a comedian and we were talking about jokes that start funny go funny funny okay i'm bored now oh i've been brought up again but you've got to change the rhythm of it or change well, something i'm gonna say tim vine with pen behind the ear um i don't know have you, have you seen pen behind the ear i'm no, aware of it's, that. he has this music playing in the background which is just pen behind the ear pen behind the ear and he gets pens and just tries to land them behind his ear and he can go on for like three to five minutes just trying to do it and yeah. because it keeps going it, it's good and then it's a recurring gag he gets a giant ear and a hockey stick and he's got hockey stick behind the ear behind the ear. <laughs> and it's 
But it is that moment where the you know the audience is bored, but you keep going, and somehow the audience start laughing because they can't believe it's still happening. Yeah. But I didn't really feel that with this. I felt like it was, and it's an uncomfortable thing to hear someone going for a wee. Nobody really enjoys yeah. that, and I think that to me was like, oh, I don't. It's not a pleasant thing to be thinking about. No. Really. And I think. Although we've now talked about it longer than it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I th- and, and what's after this? Um, uh, tested for heroin, trucks between visit. Frank meets Jane. Then there's a chase scene with the driver instructor and the teenager. Oh, which is great. Oh, that, that, that's which the one so thing I remembered. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that completely, and I... I didn't think I remembered it being in this film, but I remembered it as a naked gun thing. Well, it's quite a popular gif as well, isn't it? That that one at the end where he's going, nothing to see, folks, nothing to see, and all the explosions. People use it a lot on Twitter. I haven't I seen it being used, actually. <laughs> oh, I've seen it quite a few times where people are like, Brexit's a disaster, or there's a disaster in the Labour Party or something, and they, they'll put that gif of nothing to see here, kind of thing. Yeah. Can I just mention one quick... Yeah. Thing that we skipped over, but it's from the um, uh, naked um, police. Cal- police. What is it called? Police squad. Police squad. Thank you. Police squad TV show, which is uh, the stuff with Al and the laboratory and oh, yeah. all the anti-graffiti wall and the Swiss Army shoe. You know that sort of parody of James Bond. I mean, that's very much from the TV show. Where are we in the film? We are. So we've had the exploding doctor and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um... Ludwig is trying to assassinate the Queen. Have we got to the bit yet where they have the montage of Priscilla Presley and Leslie Nielsen together? I or am I skipping ahead there? Wait, have we? Hang on. No, you know where we're at. Just after, just after. Ah, okay. Um. So then, after that, we've got Frank finds Jane in his house, and they spend the night together. And of course, they've got their spoof of the the safe sex promotions of the eighties. Yeah, a little uh, little on the nose, as they say. Well, the montage bit, which is after they spend the night together, yeah. is is has now become. I think this is the thing about this film. It was a bit ahead of its time because that montage stuff. Now, you see that quite a lot, particularly in the Simpsons. I remember seeing a bit with Mo when he fell in love with someone, and it's that thing now, isn't it, of of absurd things happening. Yeah. In a montage, I particularly like where they ordered the hot dog and he sprays her with the mustard thing, and then she sprays him back with the tomato, and they're spraying the guy, yeah. and everyone's laughing. And then Frank finds evidence that Ludwig is planning to assassinate the Queen, and he burns the evidence. I like the fact that the oh, evidence yeah, just gets yeah. burned. It's it's such, and a, it does so in such a sort of small way, and then suddenly, yeah, whoosh, the whole thing's going up, and he's trying to put it out, and. It just gets more and more absurd with him running around with paintings and he's breaking them and everything else. Yeah. I, I'd love to know how well a movie like this would work today. Um, you mean if that exact film came out now? Yeah, sort of. Or, you know, this sort of type of humour. Because I don't think it would go down as well. Like, I think we enjoy it now, but I don't think it would do well in, like, box office or anything now. I'm, I must admit, when I... I mean, I used to love the film and thought it was great. I, when I rewatched it for this, excuse me, I'll start that sentence again. When I rewatched it for this, I, I found myself more kind of going, oh, that's clever, oh, that's funny, but not. I didn't really laugh that much. Um, I don't know why, really. It didn't. I enjoyed it, but it didn't. I didn't love. It. So he's burnt the evidence. Yeah, he's burnt the evidence, and uh, there's a party to commemorate the Queen's visit. And then, oh yeah, ah, oh, when Frank misinterprets Ludwig presenting a musket to the Queen as him trying to shoot her. Um, oh so, yes. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> I think, Why do you love I it? I don't What's know. Because <laughs> I forgot it existed, then I'm just reading it. And I found it. I think that's one of my early laugh out loud moments because so much happens in these films that you forget when you're watching them like I rewatch films quite close to when I last saw them I think mm. like I first saw Animal House like end of March and I rewatched it the same day I rewatched Naked Gun um, so I'm quite a, a 
a close rewatcher. And right. um, but I I love this. I think I only rewatch films so often because my taste has changed so much to what it was like two years ago that the two hundred odd I've got now are I've all seen recently. So Well, I think um I remember when I saw this scene, I thought, you know, you were saying about could it be made nowadays? And I thought, I'm amazed. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, did they have to ask the Queen's permission to do this stuff? I was thinking that as well. It's pretty, uh, pretty. The idea of someone wanting to kill the Queen is quite. I I can't really imagine that happening now. I think you could pass that in a Bond movie. But I think having the Queen herself Mm. in the film. Yeah. And, I mean, Jeanette Winterson, I think her name is, or something like that, uh, she got a lot of work in the 80s playing the Queen. Yeah, and I think I've seen her in a know, She really goes for it. Yeah, and um, she... The things he does to her are quite... <laughs> are like, okay, that's... Uh, that, but I suppose, why not? You know, if you're American, it doesn't matter. She's, who is the Queen I to you, really? I really want the Queen to be in Doctor Who as herself because she's a fan isn't she uh i believe she does watch because i think i heard but, that before she went on holiday somewhere she actually bought the series one box set in 2005 <laughs> i think i genuinely really? read that on an article somewhere and i've can seen... you imagine the queen sat there opening that big box tardis box <laughs> thing and all the different oh bloody hell i've seen pictures of her standing standing by like shaking hands with jenna coleman at the tardis and things mm. So I think there must be some... Yeah, I think... I imagine it's one of those situations where someone says to the Queen, oh, do you watch this? And she has to say yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, who knows, really? I'm going to Google this. Right, does the Queen... Hey, Siri, does the Queen like Doctor Who? Here's what I found on the web for does the Queen like Doctor Who? But legend has it the Queen has a full-size TARDIS prop in one of the gardens in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true. Queen has already been rumoured to be a fan. The Royals got involved with 50th anniversary publicity. A minor point, the BBC Director General was considered responsible for acting the show in 1980s remains the only DG never to have been given a knighthood. This may or may not be related. I really wish that was related. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know you've done good work for the country but you were involved in banning Doctor Who so <laughs> I don't know if that's true Prince Charles claims to have watched the show as a teenager it's not clear if he watched it regularly but on a visit to the show set in Cardiff he was able to pull off a reasonably convincing Dalek impression where is this footage of the Dalek impression mind you can't anyone do it made it up I'm pretty sure most people can probably do some form of a Dalek impression. That's not a cue for me to do mine. No, I don't think I can do mine, amazingly. <laughs> right, ah, my notes, where have they gone? Uh, the Queen, 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 um, misinterprets Ludwig, that's what we were. Um, the Queen will be ah. shot by a player in a baseball game. <laughs> and then Frank, in an attempt to stop the attack, poses as an opera singer. <laughs> I forgot all about this. I like the fact that no one yeah, seems to... Yeah, I had to... forgotten the entire end. Yeah, the thing that got... When I remembered there was basketball, but that was sort of all... Not basketball, baseball, but that's sort of all I remembered. But the thing was... What no, what confused me was the fact that no one acknowledged the fact that this opera singer doesn't look like who they expected. No, that's a weird moment where everyone's just like, oh, it's him, and he's supposed to be like this really famous opera singer. But yeah, you're right, no one goes... Hang on a minute. Unless everyone just realised that it's too polite to say anything. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I mean, are we really going to complain about continuity and not <laughs> <laughs> in an Abrams and Zucker movie? One of the baseball players unveils a gun. Also, Frank's posing as a baseball player now. Um, one of the baseball players unveils a gun and prepares to kill the Queen. And my notes stop there for a bit and then cut to something else. So I think I got caught up in the film. What happens after that? It's sort of just... Um, Mad. Yeah, it's that brilliant... Takeover uh, thing, isn't it? 
there's they there's a yes when Priscilla Presley gets taken over and she tries to kill Frank I think at that point doesn't because my notes say baseball play, I've got um I'm going to prepare to kill the Queen then I've got marching band crush Ludwig and play a tune and it's like I'm sure there's something in between that I can't remember it's all it's it, I stopped making notes then as well because I was like you sort of get to that point where you're like okay I can see where this is going it just needs to now end yeah um, and, but then they pick up, I really liked it when, uh, is it Nordberg? Is that the guy OJ Simpson plays? I think so, yeah. And he comes back, he's like, hey, you're all right, and you're alive, and then he, they accidentally nudge him down the stairs. <laughs> I really loved that, I don't know why I found that really funny. But yeah, the marching band, Crushing Ludwig, play the tune from Animal House. Um, I, I'm sure it's known for something else, but I just... Oh, is that when he pushes the villain down and he gets run over by the yeah. steamroller and all that? Oh, yes. And then I've got Jane becomes programmed to kill Frank, and then my notes end. There must be something <laughs> Well, that pretty much that. is the end. It's not really, because what happens is he talks her out of it, which always reminded me of a scene in Doctor Who where the Doctor talks that guy out of blowing up the robot in uh, um, the Dalek one, Matt Smith Dalek one. How would you rate the naked gun out of ten? I think we're toward, at the end of the movie now. I mean, how, would you, how would you rate it out of ten? Oh, Probably seven-ish. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's a five out of ten. I think it, back in the day in 1988, I remember where I sort of remember it coming out or being on telly, and I remember thinking, "This is so fun." Well, having watched this one again, I mean, I don't think I would rush to go and see it again. No. But I think it was if it was on and I was in the mood, and you know. To be blunt, had a little, little bit of lemonade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I might sort of happily jolly along to it. Um, it wasn't as good as I remembered. No. And I think the problem is with with two and three is that you don't tend to sit down and think, "Oh, I'm going to watch this film sequel." So I think it's very rare that. I will sit and watch two or three, which I think are equally as good, if not better, some of them. But I, I, I won't choose to sit down and watch two or three if I haven't seen one in a while. So I think they sort of get neglected mm. because one isn't one you want to re-watch too much. Yeah. Well, it was quite fun to re-watch. There's re-watch value, but I think some of it will get a bit old after you've seen it. If you watched it, like, twice in two days... I must admit, I've enjoyed talking about it and I've enjoyed watching it again and revisiting it and thinking about comedy. And it's been nice talking to you about different comedians and comedy and all that. And that's that's what's good about a podcast. That's what's good about watching films like this, that it inspires creativity and talking about actors and films. Now, I'll and, ask you about the oh. our final segment before it gets too late. If you had to retitle this film, what would you retitle it as? Uh, what would I retitle? Well, what would you retitle it? Can I ask you first? The bad thing is, I know that I do these segments and I never think about it. Lack of prep. Um, I would. I don't know really. I think the Naked Gun is a weird title because it doesn't really relate to the film. Um, police Squad the movie is an easy way out, but I don't think that with with Police Academy at that sort of time. Yes. It, it would have been too much. I think I would have called it something like, maybe, uh, I don't know really, that's a tough one. Um, I definitely put the Queen in it like, stop, or the Queen will shoot, or something like that. I don't know. Something with the Queen. Maybe. I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, I'm just going to... Oh, Frank Drebin something, I think. To be Frank. Yeah. There we go. To be frank, yes. <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Let's call it that. Um, but, so, uh, where can our listeners find you? Oh, um, so, if you want to find out what I'm up to, because I'm up to a lot of stuff with GL Talent, and I am taking a little break from production, actually, at the moment, and I'm more in development stuff. I'm developing a couple of shows uh, with a couple of production companies and very much sort of... I'm having a little break from the world of producing 
for a little while. Other than name-dropping Danny Sim, we haven't really discussed <laughs> GL talent much. Well, maybe that's for another time. But, maybe. Uh... I definitely think it would be good to have you and Danny on sometime, but I think schedules will be very difficult for two people at the same time. Yeah, that would be tough for him as well because he works so much and he's always filming. He's always off filming. He's always filming something. Well, I'm very grateful for you having me on. It's been I know it's taken a long time to get it happening, but it's been good fun and I've really enjoyed chatting away to you, Luke, about the world of telly, film, comedy and people's careers. <laughs> so what advice do you have for um, those who want to get a job in television like myself or film and television? Um, I would say the best thing you can do if you want to... Well, that's a two-handed question, really, because I would say don't become fixated on getting a job. Focus on getting your stuff made, doing your stuff, making your own things, getting out there as a creative person. Because when I got into TV, uh, it was very different. There was no YouTube. You were very limited in what you could show people. And so getting a job was much more important. But now creating your own stuff and becoming known as someone that is a creator is really valid and really important. And something that I think is much more rewarding than just going, oh, I want to be a runner on something or whatever. So just go for it. And don't be disheartened if you don't get a job immediately because it's hard. But yeah, Just keep on creating. Uh, I must ask, as someone, as you being someone who works at the BBC, um, mm. is it true that you do have an ac access to the BBC archive? Yes, I don't because I don't work there. But yes, if you work for the BBC, yes. I will just um, say to our listeners, you can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero. I don't know why it's that. You can find the podcast on Twitter at, if you excuse the pun, please be tweeted. Um <laughs> Please Be Seated has its Facebook page. Just search Please Be Seated. I'm on YouTube, uh, Bottle Air Productions, where you can find podcasts, short films, comedy sketches, and more, if there is more. Um, and, yeah, it's been a pleasure to discuss The Naked Gun and Everything But uh, with you. And uh, Pleasure. Pleasure. And, of course, you've got Smash the Media that they can all hear. You can follow at GL Talent, or it's all on Twitter, at Smash the Media. Smash the Media is on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's very good. It's very fun. And if you can bear me talking about politics, Doctor Who, and nonsense, follow me at, at GRA Lambo. Okay, thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, and goodbye.